How's it going, Longhorn Nation? Welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything involving Texas Longhorns football. I'm your host, Ryan McAloon, and I'm joined, as always, by my awesome co-host, Michael Farber. We are recording on Tuesday, January 24th, and today we are just going to be talking about Texas's additions to the wide receiver room, along with their new hire um, in the Director of High School Relations, uh, and then maybe at the end, we'll get into some more national college football news. Before we get into it, though, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. Also, tell your friends and family about us. After that, make sure to check out our website, texas-talk.com. On the website, you'll be able to find the Longhorns updated roster, depth chart, the 2023 uh, recruiting class, transfer portal additions and departures, any trending news, plus our analysis on the team. So be sure to check that out. With all that said, Michael, I have a feeling I know the answer, but how was your weekend? <laughs> it was a great weekend. Uh, I'll yeah. put it that way. Um, yeah, the obviously the Bengals game won, and they won in dominating fashion. You know, yes. it, it was they kind of took over early and didn't let go of it. Um, so that's always fun. And then got a trip to Arrowhead this week. So that, that's, that's um, too cold for me to go. Uh, I don't yeah. really want to sit out there in, in 15 degree weather, but I'll, I'll watch on TV. Uh, yeah. But yeah, overall, good weekend. Um, got a little bit of snow as well. So that's always, I, I don't want to say fun. It's, it's snow. Uh, <laughs> Sarcastically <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, got some good news about AD Mitchell, you know, committing, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, a couple, a couple um, hires uh, in the coaching staff and in the recruiting staff. So um, overall, good weekend. A lot of interesting information coming out. So uh, good weekend. How about you? Yeah, also a great weekend for me. Um, as you guys know from last week, I bet on the Bengals for a future Super Bowl winner and the Cowboys. So I'm still alive. Um, and I'm just a full-on Bengals fan now. So absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, a thought I had during this game kind of, and I wanted to bring it up here is obviously the Bengals dominated Buffalo, but was it low key, a good thing that they played in Buffalo with the crazy, uh, weather that they had because the Bengals absolutely dominated the trenches. And I feel like if Buffalo could throw the ball around more, I mean, obviously the Bengals have some firepower with their, of their own, but the fact that they dominated the trenches so much. I think it really helped that, um, you know, they were playing in the, in those weather conditions. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw that as well, but the thing is there was actually a little more snow in Cincinnati. Uh, that really? Yeah. Okay. So either way, <laughs> no game, um, unless oh, obviously they did neutral site, but, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I saw, I saw that argument, um, on Twitter and I actually commented on it and I don't want to say got into an argument, but got into a little bit of a, a debate. Um, mm -hmm. but somebody said, uh, the Bengals got lucky with the weather and I, I was thinking yeah, of that and I was no, like, I well, that's it. Yeah, right. you know, they, they had to play in the same situations and you know, mm -hmm. the bills O line looked terrible. Josh Allen was right. running for his life the whole time. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun game and I always love snow games. They're, they're fun to watch on TV and especially that one where, you know, at, at certain points it was almost a whiteout condition depending on how far the camera right. was away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I think I mean Buffalo. I mean, sorry, 
the Bengals dominated Buffalo so much that I don't think it matters where the heck they played or what weather conditions they were. But just like watching the game and seeing Buffalo just not be able to run the ball at all um, just gave me kind of that thought. But again, I, I had no idea what the heck was going on in, in Cincinnati or anything else. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I just thought of that because we did talk about last week about how it was kind of weird that the Bengals and uh, in Buffalo didn't get a neutral site because it kind of it it still doesn't really make sense why it wasn't a neutral site. Um, but oh well, um, they still whooped them, so it yeah. all worked out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, Chiefs coming in obviously very hobbled with Patrick Mahomes having a high ankle sprain. I feel really good about the Bengals. They opened up as uh, plus uh, one and a half dogs, and I immediately took them. Uh, with <laughs> money line, so it was like about plus one twenty. So it wasn't much juice, but it was better than obviously no juice. Um, and then now the line has already moved to minus uh, two and a half um, in the Bengals' favor. So you could call me a little bit of a sharp, but um, absolutely love the Bengals this weekend. Yeah, and you know those high ankle sprains; those are tricky. You know, if they're mm-hmm. really bad, you know he's going to like Tom Brady back there and not being able to move at all. Um, but, mm-hmm. but if it's just a, a minor ankle sprain, um, you know, I, I, don't, I think he'll be all right. Obviously he's not going to be a hundred percent, but um, you know, it, hopefully it's a good game. I, I'm looking forward to it. Living in Kansas, you know, I, I know a lot of chiefs fans and, uh, and friends with a lot of them. So, um, you know, I, I'd like to win four in a row against Patrick Mahomes. That'd be, that'd be really fun. That's always a really nice feather in the cap. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, Joe Burrow, just incredible, incredible quarterback of his own. Let's, we aren't going to get in the quarterback one debates that are flooding my Twitter timeline right now between <laughs> Mahomes and Burrow. We'll save that for, for a much slower news week. So um, let's get right into it here. Um, let's talk about the new wide receivers coach first. Uh, Chris Jackson, we talked about, the three candidates a little bit last week. Um, obviously, at the end of it, we kind of realized that Chris Jackson was probably the front runner because the other two haven't been hired yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was kind of a little bit of a giveaway. Chris Jackson was the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver coach. So Jaguars get bounced from the playoffs from the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, it seems like that he's accepting a job now to be the Texas Longhorn's new wide receivers coach. Um, we t- like I said, we talked about him a little bit last week. But do you have any other notes on on Chris Jackson, or do you want to kind of reiterate what you said last week? Yeah, um, you know he he's one that hasn't coached for long, um, but mm-hmm. he's doing a really really good job. Um, you know the right. coaches are sorry the wide receivers that he has, um, Christian Church, Christian Evan Ingram's a tight end, but he's basically a big wide receiver. Uh, Marvin mm-hmm. Jones Jr. Uh, he's going to get Calvin Rid- or he was going to get Calvin Ridley uh, next year um, after mm-hmm. Atlanta. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is uh, recruiting. He's never had to recruit before, um, and I, I think Sark is trusting that he can develop guys, and then that recruiting will just come along uh, later mm-hmm. down the road. Because I, I know or we know that Sark can recruit. Jeff Banks can help out there. Um, yeah. uh, 
I'm, I can't remember his name, the running back coach, uh, Rashad Choice. Choice. Oh, yeah, yep. Char- he can re- help recruit there as well. So that, mm-hmm. that's not really a big concern, but it is something that has popped up in the back of my mind a couple times, um, especially with a big-time 24 class, um, which I'm sure we'll go over uh, sometime this offseason. But um, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the one thing I'm worried about. Other than that, though, I, I'm excited for him to get on campus and see what he can do with this wide receiver group, um, especially – we saw it kind of not regress, but we didn't really see any progression um, in that group um, over mm-hmm. this year. So uh, I'm excited. Um, I, I bet you are as well. But but uh, yeah, I'll, that's all I have on that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so we talked about Chris Jackson, not really much of a recruiter because he only has some NFL coaching experience. But what he brings to the recruiting table, I think, is – He's from California. He went to modern day high school. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a pipeline there. Uh, we talked about it last week, but modern day is one of the top um, football programs um, in the state of California. So you need a good pipeline there. Steve Sarkeesian has connections to California already from his time at USC and on the West coast, but this only strengthens those bonds. Um, also, once he was announced as the wide receiver, I don't even actually think he's been announced as wide receivers coach yet, but I think it's all but uh, done and set in paper. But mm-hmm. as I go on, um, as I was doing more research on him, I real I saw that he actually was a wide receivers coach um, in Arizona at Liberty High School. Um, I talk about it almost every single time we talk about recruiting, but Arizona, Utah, those uh, states are getting – more and more talent um, from states like California because they're too um, expensive to live in for families. So they're moving a little bit more uh, east into Utah, Arizona, um, Nevada is another one that are getting more and more uh, talented um, football players. And I mean, just bigger population in general, which in turn turns into more football players. Um, so having another pipeline to, um, basically a suburb in Phoenix, Arizona, I think is another huge plus for, for this, uh, Texas staff in terms of recruiting. Absolutely. And, you know, just to hit on that, uh, modern day pipeline, you know, just a couple players that have come out of there, uh, Matt Barkley, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Matt Leinert, uh, Bryce Young, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, it, mm-hmm. players coming out of there. Um, so, yeah, to, to start up that pipeline, um, and it's not just offensive players either. It's it's the entire team, linebackers, offensive line, DBs. Um, so being able to add a connection to that school would be huge, like you said. And, and um, like you said, in Arizona with, with families moving, you know, one of the best players that we've seen over this past decade was from Arizona. John Robinson. So being able to keep pulling players out of Arizona and the West Coast is, is big for Texas. Um, I, I know talent in Texas. I know that mm-hmm. not going to get every the top 20 players in Texas every year. You know, you got to right. reach out a little bit and hit the West Coast, East Coast, um, Florida and Georgia, especially. So um, I'm excited to see Sark bring in guys who have West Coast connections um, just to expand our recruiting footprint a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point, these pipelines aren't just for specifically wide receivers because Chris Jackson is a wide receivers coach because 
Terry Joseph was uh, Arch Manning's secondary, um, and obviously Derek Williams, who's a safety, um, he was his uh, primary. But um, the point is that Terry Joseph had these Louisiana connections um, to kind of start a relationship with Arch Manning. Now, um, Steve Sarkeesian and A.J. Milwe ended up closing that uh, recruitment. So props to them, but Terry Joseph was kind of the bridge builder there. Um, so just to show that um, Chris Jackson is really, really important to this coaching staff, even if he isn't the primary head, uh, you know, recruiter in mm-hmm. all of these, in all of these recruits. And you mentioned it your first time, but Steve Sarkeesian is going to do a lot of, uh, a lot of recruiting for the wide receivers himself. So it's, it kind of makes sense if he gets more of a developmental um, coach who he can kind of coach up as a recruiter as uh, he goes along. But for the time being, I think Sark is an elite recruiter in his own right. So I feel like he can kind of take that workload from Chris Jackson a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, um, I I really like Brendan Marion. I I really did like him. Um, I Mm like what he brought, the energy he brought. Um, but kind of the what we saw out of the wide receiver room from the entire year, what I thought he was going to be able to do. Um, right. I, I would have liked to keep him, obviously, um, but bringing in Chris Jackson, who has NFL experience and knows how to develop wide receivers, is something that I'm excited to see, hopefully, um, next year and for years to come. Yeah, great point on Brennan Marion, too, because we definitely did see a dip in the wide receiver production this year. I don't, I, I, it's hard to totally blame Marion for that because I don't know. I feel like you got to give a coach two to three years um, just to see how they actually develop because just jumping into a program in, through one season um, doesn't really give you a whole lot of, uh, a lot of meat to evaluate the specific coach. But like you said, really liked Brennan Marion and was pretty disappointed in how these wide receivers turned out. So hopefully we can keep Chris Jackson for a few years and we can get a really good, um, you know, uh, something to, something to, uh, I'm losing my, losing my <laughs> words here. Just uh, something so we can, you know, see how Chris Jackson is as a developer at yep. the college level. Um, all right, let's move on here and talk about, A.D. Mitchell. Um, We didn't need a wide receivers coach to recruit him. Um, (laughs) He announced his commitment to Texas. He signed to Texas, and he is going to be with Texas for spring practice. So we talked about him a little bit last week as well, but now it's officially official. Um, What are your thoughts on A.D. Mitchell? Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I get excited about it. Um, yes, absolutely. Me too. And and there there's more than one reason for that. Obviously, obviously he's a really good player, really talented, big body, can mm-hmm. go up and get the ball. Um, but just thinking about Isaiah Nair, um, the plan for him, which I I saw in a tweet, um, I can't remember who it was, twenty four seven or uh, inside. Uh, let me see if I can pull mm-hmm. that up. Um, but basically the. Pl- he's going to be non-contact all spring and he won't be full go until August. Um, that's rough on a wide receiver and yeah. especially a guy who hasn't played in a year. Um, so I don't, I don't even know if he's going to be ready to go come fall 
he he may be he may you know put in the extra work to be ready to go but um with another big body receiver like ad mitchell um is huge for this team and you know who knows if, if isaiah nair is ready to go imagine having six four six five isaiah nair and six four ad mitchell on the sides and then having Xavier Worthy inside and Jordan Weddington inside. You know, that that's mm-hmm. a lot of talent on the field at once. And I even mentioned Jatavion Sanders. Um, right. th- this offense is going to be really exciting. We have a lot of weapons. Um, and honestly, with the additional, you know, this is probably the most talented Texas wide receiver room I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and and it, it's exciting. You know, I see yeah. them put in the work and see what they can do. So um, I'm excited. Uh, but yeah not being full go till um, August is, is kind of worry, worrisome to me. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to bring somebody in um, to potentially take his place week one. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, just a couple notes I have. I watched all of A.D. Mitchell's targets. Um, shout out to Nash Talks Texas um, on YouTube. He He compiled a full video of all his targets. So I was able to watch that really easily. A um, couple notes here. He's a hands catcher, and he catches through contact. That's something that we really didn't see a whole lot yeah. of this year. Xavier Worthy's a lot more of a smaller body guy. He kind of gets um, out physical um, a lot of the time, and obviously we know that he had a few drop issues this year already. So it's kind of refreshing to have a guy like that come into the room. Um, also something I know is a ton of stops slash curls slash comeback routes, whatever you want to call them. Um, a lot of those types of routes in his game at six foot four, 190 pounds. Um, you know, it's kind of surprising how much he, how good he is as a route runner. Um, Mm -hmm. he is always threatening to go vertical, which is why they run those stop curl and comeback routes because the DBs um, can't trust that he's not going to go vertical. So they continue to go. He breaks the route, and boom, he's wide open um, with two to three yards of separation there. So it's really, really impressive to see him that way. Um, my first thought is he's definitely the Ajay Hall replacement. He's what Steve Sarkeesian wanted in Ajay Hall. Maybe less of a freak athlete because Hall was – a four, almost a five-star guy, Um, obviously just an insane athlete. But A.D. Mitchell is straight up a better football player than Najai Hall was. Um, So really, really excited for Mitchell. He played against really good competition, obviously in the SEC, but he also went against Oregon and Ohio State. Oregon's got a cornerback, Christian Gonzalez, who's going to be a first-round draft pick. And, um, you know, he absolutely dominated Oregon and scored a touchdown on Christian Gonzalez. So he's battle tested. And um, I I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he is our new wide receiver one, um, depending on if Xavier Worthy kind of develops and takes that uh, next step after a sophomore slump. Yeah, I I agree um after xavier where they struggled and um i I could absolutely see mitchell becoming wide receiver one from day one Uh, you know he's that talented um and you know this isn't one that kind of fits like we've talked about steve sarkeesian's wide receiver size 
obviously being six mm-hmm. four, but that that's such a weapon to have on the outside with that speed and right. being able to. Um, yeah, I, I am really excited about it. Um, another thing that I that I just thought of was, I wonder all these wide receivers we're bringing in. This will be number four total uh, with transfers and uh, recruits, I believe, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that's because there is that uncertainty with Xavier. You know, he's always right. playing that game of, you know, am I going to transfer? Clear his Instagram, people panic, and then a few weeks later, the coaching staff talks to him, and reports come out that he's locked in. That just seems to happen a lot, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I wonder if they're just bringing these excess of players just in case, you know, one day he doesn't figure it out. One day he's not locked in, and he wants to go somewhere else. Um, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that, that's also in the back of my mind. Is that's why we need to stockpile talent, especially yeah. where um, – Egos run a little wild sometimes, you know, if you're not getting the ball, um, like we saw with Stefan Diggs on Sunday, um, right. you know, you're really frustrated and, and do some things that you don't usually do. Um, so I, I'm glad to have him in the, in the wide receiver room. And I'm really, really excited to see what he can do um, in the spring game and, and uh, through the next season. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head there with Xavier Worthy. Um, I think bringing in a guy like A.D. Mitchell, who could legitimately be your number one receiver, um, as we saw at Georgia, and be, well, national championship uh, contenders. So having that and bringing that in and still having a guy like Xavier Worthy is almost an embarrassment of riches. Um, But it also gives you the luxury to have Xavier Worthy leave and you still have a pretty complete wide receiver room um with jordan whittington coming back we already mentioned isaiah nayer potentially coming back but you would think by at least middle of the season um he should be kind of back to full go um fingers crossed but savion red and brennan thompson are two other sophomores who are really really talented especially um brennan thompson with that um you know elite trans uh, track speed that he has so um and that's not including you already mentioned them but John T. Cook DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett also still on the team so there is a lot of dudes in this wide receiver room so losing a guy like Xavier Worthy would be bad but it could be a whole lot worse if we're not replacing him with a guy like A.D. Mitchell yeah absolutely and like you said it, it could be bad but it's not the end of the world. You know, we, we have a bunch of guys to replace him in and uh, cook is one that I I'm really excited for as well. Um, yeah. And I, if, if we weren't able to bring in AD Mitchell, um, I, I think he honestly would get some reps early on. I, I yeah. think he's that talented that he can play as a freshman um, and, and perform at a very high level. Uh, Mitchell here that, that just adds on to that. And these next few years, um, it's going to be really, really fun, especially uh, in the wide yeah. receiver room and on this offense. Absolutely. And Steve Sarkeesian doesn't really have a tendency to rotate wide receivers in and out. He kind of sticks to his main um, top three to four um, passing options. But I hope that this year he kind of does a little bit more rotating and gets guys like John Tay Cook involved and obviously Brendan Thompson as well. Um, just get these guys some more touches um, and kind of spread out the targets a little bit more. We talked about it, but this also could mean that 
Quinn Ewers is going to be the driving force of this offense. Last year was more Bijan and Roshan in the running game. This year, I'm really hoping that it's Quinn Ewers, um, you know, throwing the ball 50-plus uh, times a game and just kind of spreading the pill around. And, you know, we have the weapons to do that. Uh, you know, if, if guys get tired, you know, we have subs that come in and, and play at a high level behind them as well. Um, and, and like you said, Bijan was our offense last year. Um, yeah. we, we saw in the bowl game that the running game might not be what leads this team. Um, and, and I'm okay with that. You know, Quinn Ewers has so many weapons around him that, you know, if he isn't successful next year, um, mm. the blame kind of has to fall back on him. You, you know, you yeah. have A.D. Mitchell yeah. or Jordan Winnings and Xavier Worthy. Uh, we've gone through this list several, several times, but, you know, mm. it, it's going to fall back on him of, you know, maybe he's not the guy. Um, and, and if that right. is the case, you know, we have a we have another five-star behind him in, in Arch Manning that um, is this year. But, you know, who knows? If things get really bad, I wouldn't be surprised if C. Sharkeesian throws him in there and lets him get some experience, um, especially if, if the season's just wasted. Absolutely. And it, out of any quarterback who is going to be a freshman, I feel like a guy like Arch Manning, who is probably the best coaching that any high school freshman or <laughs> any incoming freshman has had in high school. Um, I think that's pretty good for Texas. And not to mention Malik Murphy is also still on this team who was a five-star, but ended up dropping down to a high four-star by the end of uh, his recruiting cycle. So ton of, ton of talent in this quarterback room. So like you said, if yours isn't getting the job done, I hope um, Sark will kind of, make a change and just understand that yours isn't the guy, but by all accounts, I really do think Quinn was just a little bit more hurt in that um, 2022 season than we were all led to believe. So because the Washington game, yours played pretty dang good again. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really hopeful that uh, Quinn just kind of was more hurt than he let on and he kind of just needed a month. Um, to kind of recollect himself, get a little bit more healthy, and get back on track. So um, another thing about rotating these wide receivers, you mentioned fatigue, but also there's a lot of, um, you know, Brendan Thompson has speed, A.D. Mitchell has size, Savion Red is more of a run-after-the-catch guy. It's nice to show the defense um, different looks as the game goes along. Um, it, it It'll make it way way harder to defend when you don't know if ad mitchell's uh in the game or if he's on the right side on the left side if savion red gets in the game if jordan whittington's in the game um just kind of switching up your pitches to give it a baseball reference here um would be huge for this offense um along with kind of throwing in these running backs as well. And even these tight ends and Gunnar Helm and Jatavion Sanders, there's a ton, ton of talent on this offense. There's no reason why Texas shouldn't be looked at as one of the best offenses uh, in the country next year. I, I completely agree. And, you know, one thing that's exciting to see is, you know, when Sark got here, we didn't have most of the weapons we have now. Uh, right. We didn't we didn't have Xavier Worthy. We didn't have all the most of the wide receivers in the wide receiver room. Um, mm-hmm. He he brought them here, and he brought them here for a reason. We didn't have 
three of our quarterbacks or, or any of our quarterbacks. Maybe Charles Wright was here. Maybe he committed uh, Steve Sarkeesian's first recruiting class. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's exciting to see this build in two years. Uh, you're going to yeah. completely change from what it was. Um, and, you know, uh, the defense as well. You know, the defense had played really, really well last year. Um, they held a top offense in the country to, what was it, 24 points in the bowl game, 20-something points in the bowl game. Um, and and I think they're only going to build on that going into this year. Um, obviously, we have a big game week, too, but I, I feel confident for that. I'm scared to go play Alabama anymore with, with the team that Steve Sarkeesian has built. Um, so I, I'm, I'm ready for it, and I'm, I'm ready for the season. But um, the first step is spring game and seeing what the team looks like. Hopefully we can stay injury-free this offseason um, and go into next season fully healthy uh, to play a really good Alabama team in week two. Absolutely. And you bring up a great point, um, whereas I feel like most um, fans were kind of not scared to play Alabama. You're never scared um, as a fan, but you're a little bit wary and you're kind of chalking it up as a loss um, throughout the offseason going into last year. Um, Whereas this year, you're almost kind of thinking, um, you know, it's it's more of a 50-50 game, maybe Alabama is going to be favored, but it's not this automatic loss that we thought it was last year. And that's just a testament to Steve Sarkeesian's roster building and kind of building such a talented roster that we think we can hang with, um, you know, one of the best programs in the history of college football. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Is, do you have anything else on A.D. Mitchell, this wide receiver room, before we move on to uh, the director of high school relations? I don't think so, no. All right. Yeah. So um, I just said it, but Jamal Fenner is the new director of high school relations. Um, your thoughts on this hire? Um, anything that comes to mind? Yeah. Former head coach at Austin. Um you know, res- resigned Monday and then took the job uh, later that day, I believe. Um, but, yeah, it, he's one that Steve Sarkeesian, which is around Texas high school football, have said he's very well respected. Um, he's connected within the community. So um, I, I think he's going to do a, a good job. Um, Chris Gilbert, you know, hate to see him leave, but being able to replace him with another guy of his um, is exciting, and I think he's going to do a good job and, and get his foot in a couple doors that maybe weren't, we weren't able to get in beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Chris Gilbert really elevated um, what the director of high school relations does because before it wasn't so much of a recruiting position, um, more so to establish those bridges that we talked about with Chris Jackson. But Chris Gilbert just did such a good job as an actual recruiter um, for these players that Jamal Fenner is going to have to step in and kind of do the same thing or something similar. Um, So it's going to be a really tough job now going forward because of Chris Gilbert really just over exceeding expectations. But I feel like um, Fenner will do a good job. Um, I'm excited for the hire, getting a Texas guy, um, local guy um, from the Austin area is always great. Um, we lose that Dallas Fort Worth um, kind of connection when Chris Gilbert leaves, but um, you know, we can always regain that in, in other areas and maybe Fenner will do that specifically and kind of focus in, in that area 
Um, but yeah, overall, I think a really good hire. And honestly, it, it's a lot of behind the scenes work that we're not really going to see results on until, um, you know, the 2024, 2025 classes start really rolling. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and one thing I saw mention, um, and I it happened or not, but um, they were thinking about else from the Houston or Dallas Fort Worth area to that kind of mm-hmm. that position, uh, not that official position, obviously, but um, I, I think that would be a really, really smart move just so you're taking out multiple big cities in Texas. You know, Houston's a right. hotbed for talent, so is the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, so if that is Sark's looking, you know, that, that would be a huge move as well. Um, to the Dallas area for um, uh, uh, a big-time wide receiver and, and Micah uh, Hudson here in the 2024 class. Absolutely, yeah. We need to start branching out on those, um, you know, hotbed areas like you mentioned. So it will be um, exciting to see. And, yeah, I'm always in favor of just adding positions just to make Steve Sarkeesian's job and basically everybody's job a little bit easier and kind of more focused in in one certain area, um, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, Okay, before we get into any national news, um, do you have anything else uh, Texas-related that you want to hit on? Uh, Not that I can think of. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Colorado. Deion Sanders hired to Colorado, and it's been fireworks basically ever since. Um, Cormani McLean the nation's number one cornerback goes to Colorado. Not very shocking, I feel like, um, after we find out that McLean didn't sign with Miami on National Signing Day. Um, I feel like smoke was always that he was kind of thinking about going to Colorado and joining maybe the best cornerback of all time in Deion Sanders. Yeah, as as soon as, um, you know, we, we noticed that he didn't sign his uh, – um mm-hmm. I immediately thought, you know, Colorado might be a player here. <laughs> you know, Dion hadn't been there for long, but um that's what it turned out to be. And he could um that that's gonna be a really, really fun team, especially in the in the room with with Cormani and um Travis Hunter. Um, mm-hmm. um man, what what a get for for Deion Sanders and he's doing a phenomenal job out there already. Um Colorado's recruiting class is already up to 30th in the country. And it was 52nd the last time they they ranked it is is what I'm looking at now. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a new age for Colorado. You know, I think they're used to um, recruiting like this, mm-hmm. but you know, something they're going to have to get used to. Um, you know, it, it it's going to surprising, but top 20, top 15 classes at Colorado over these next few years would it surprise me at all? Um, getting to that top 10, top five range, that's going to be really um, just because you yeah. have to have so much depth in that class, but twenty or and even top fifteen wouldn't surprise me at all for for Colorado, and that's going to be big time for that for that program up there and um, for Dion. Yeah, and just to kind of hammer your point a little bit, teams that are in the top ten currently: um, Notre Dame is tenth, Oregon eleven, Texas A and M twelve, Florida, Clemson, and Penn State is fifteenth. So. 
a whole lot of blue bloods there. It would be yeah. insane to see Colorado kind of crash the party um, with Florida State uh, being 16 and Michigan being 17. So, yeah, Colorado crashing that party and getting into the top 15 would be incredible. But like you said, it wouldn't surprise me at all because Dion is just such a attracting force for recruits. And Travis Hunter and Cormani McLean are probably – going to be the best cornerback duo in the Pac-12 pretty easily by uh, 2024. Um, I'll kind of give them a year to settle in in 2023 and say 2024, I think McLean and Hunter will just absolutely dominate and um, put Oregon in a torture chamber in the passing game <laughs> in 2024. Yeah. That's going to be a fun team to watch. Um, just the energy that Dion brings and, and the level that his teams play at. Um, just looking at it, though, their highest rated class or highest ranked class since 2017, 24th, and they had 30 commits mm-hmm. in that class. Um, you know, Dion's doing that. He's at 30th, right? Or 30th in the nation right now, and he only has 20 commits. Um, yeah. So, so you take 10 commits away. That That's, that's what I'm saying. Is there's gonna mm-hmm. there's gonna have to be so much depth in that class, um, top ten. But you know, Dion, he does it. He he can connect with kids and he can recruit them to places like Boulder, Colorado, or, or Jackson, Mississippi. So mm-hmm. um, it's gonna be exciting to see what he can do. Um, but yeah, that that team's gonna be really. Fun. I have to stay up to watch some uh, Pac-12 after dark action. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's always a fun time to uh, chase bets. You know, you, you lose <laughs> yeah. all day Saturday, but you got that one 10 p.m. kickoff ticket <laughs> in your hand um, just to save your day. I've been there many, many times, too many times. Um, but so speaking of betting, um, Colorado regular season win total. Um, this was, I'm trying to see, September 2nd, I bet it. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. I placed it on, uh, December 23rd. So right before Christmas, I placed it over four and a half wins. Um, oh yeah. I, I got it at plus 138. Um, so I got it with juice, um, over four and a half wins. I'm feeling really, really good about that right now. I'm going to try to look at what it's at now, but yeah, I, I would absolutely take an Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be somewhere around 500, but I could even see him hitting that 8-4 mark with a really, really good year. Um, it's going to be tough to turn it around that quickly to 8-4, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, but, yeah, if, if they have a 6-6 six and six or a 7-5 and five season, that's absolutely a success um, for year one under Dion. But, um, you know, Colorado is going to be one that's going to be good over these next few years. And, um, you know, I, I – I could see him staying for three to four, maybe five years, uh, but there, there's going to be a bigger opportunity to open up for him. And, and if he ever lands at a big-time school, um, like an SEC school or even Big Ten or, or um, Pac-12, well, what would be left of the Pac-12, um, you know, he, he's going to dominate rec- something that we've right. probably never seen before. Um, and, you know, uh, in Alabama, they recruit really, really well <laughs> at, a, at an uh, – level um but if you give Dion a school like florida or florida state or miami um you know it, it's going to be stupid recruiting it, it's going to be super easy 
you're going to want to play for him. So, um, you know, I, I think a bigger opportunity is coming, but it may be a few years um, for him to get that chance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, Colorado is like a perfect spot for Dion right now because it's a clear stepping stone, but it's a place that's so down right now that any sort of improvement um, in teams are going to come calling. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like when Steve Sarkeesian actually went into Washington. Washington was coming off a winless season, which is uh, pretty close to what Colorado is coming off of. And he brought them to uh, bowl games in the first uh, – I don't have the stats in front of me, so I'm not going to lie. But um, <laughs> but Sarkeesian just completely turned Washington around and kind of turned it into a respectable program. Um, obviously, Chris Peterson then takes it over and, and kind of runs away with it. But Sark built that foundation there. Um, and I feel like Dion could have that same effect in Colorado. Absolutely. And, and that that's one thing that I don't get people are, are dogging on Sark about not having a um, t- season yet. But he, he was the foundation for that Washington team that mm-hmm. um, it is so good nowadays that, that uh, uh, competed for a college football playoff for a while. You know, he, he was the found He laid the groundwork, um, obviously went to USC and, and ran into some – but, you know, I, I, I think it's so – are so impressive what he was able to do at Colorado going from a winless team to uh, bowl eligible within two to three years. That, that That's really a really good job of coaching and developing and, and recruiting guys. Um, so, yeah, if he can build that foundation for Texas, which I think he is doing now, um, mm-hmm. you know, three, four years down the road, we be a powerhouse, in my opinion, in the SEC and, and college football. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, yeah, and then you talked about, but man, Dion landing in a place like uh, Miami or, or uh, yeah. Florida. I think Florida looks the most likely right now because Billy Napier is getting into some hot water. And you know what? I think that's a perfect transition <laughs> yeah. to talk about Jaden Rashada. Um, so if you don't know the story, Jaden Rashada um, was – formerly um, committed to the University of Miami. He then flips to the University of Florida. Um, Rumors were that he was offered a huge NIL deal worth $13 million through his four years at university. Um, So he flips to Florida. He signs his letter of intent to Florida. um, And Apparently, before he could enroll to in Florida, uh, that that first check that he was promised bounces. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, apparently, that Florida's boosters or their NIL collectives, um, you know, kind of overpromise and underdelivered. Um, not very good on their end. Um, so Jane Rashada gets released from his uh, letter of intent. And now he's taken visits to places like Arizona State and um, TCU um, to try to find a new college in time for that 2023 um, season. Yeah, and you know, I, there's rumors that he's already visited Colorado as well. <laughs> Just to hit on the Dion yeah. point a little bit, um, right. you know that that would be a huge get for Dion, obviously, but. Um, I just don't think he's going to want to sit a year and wait. I think he's ready to play now. And like you said, Arizona State might be a place where he's quicker to do that. Um, but, you know, Colorado would be a good landing spot for him. And 
the NIL part of it, it is just a mess right now. Um, let me look at this. Um, on three has his NIL evaluation at 436,000. Um, that's annual value. So if he won your $13 million deal, that is insane. Yeah, that's insane. Um, obviously on three doesn't have all the information, but, um, that that's just a stupid, stupid high number. And, you know, if, but no, you got to look at the player side as well. If, If Florida, well, not Florida, but if a booster, uh, so to speak, offered mm-hmm. him thirteen million over four years, and then they just don't pay up, you know, I, I completely agree with don't what he's doing. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would do the same exact thing. If you're going to promise to pay me money and you don't, then yeah, we're going to have some problems, especially that amount of money. Um, right. But yeah, I, it's going to be weird to see where he goes. Um, you know, obviously he has to do something quickly with. Um, National Signing Day coming up here in what two or three weeks, um, yeah. but yeah, if if he does end up at Colorado, I mean, this is a fantastic start for Dion. Uh, but if he ends up somewhere else, he's he's going to be a really success, successful. Yeah, it 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 was always like kind of puzzling because that thirteen million dollar number is just crazy, crazy high. Um, obviously, I'm not putting a price tag on the kid, but um, you know, he's the seventh ranked quarterback, uh, according to 24 seven sports. So I, a quarterback who, who isn't the clear, like number one or like top guy, um, getting paid $3 million a year reportedly over $3 million a year reportedly is just kind of mind blowing, but yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously no salary cap. Um, and n- you know, it's not my money. I, I really don't care. Um, I just think it's, it's crazy for the university or these NIL collectives um, to be, you know, offering up that kind of money um, to a high schooler who hasn't played yet, but who yeah. knows exactly what happened there. But um, these are all just kind of rumors that as the day goes by, seems more and more likely that that's what happened because of uh, you know, how Florida reacted to it and, kind of the national look at it is kind of more like Florida um, reneged on their side of the deal. And Rashada said, no, like I, am, <laughs> <laughs> I am going somewhere else. And um, you know, it's, it's, it might be less about the money for Rashada and more about that principle of promising something and then completely under delivering it on that promise or, or not having any, um, you know, money to speak of at all. So I don't know. All I know is that it looks really bad for Florida. And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Billy Napier is kind of on the hot seat. I feel like going into, uh, going into the 2023 season and I, I'm almost positive. It's only his, uh, his second or third year, um, with Florida. So that job could be opening up pretty soon. And to tie it back into Dion to your point, I feel like that would be a really good hire for Florida, but I think they kind of got to wait to see how Dion does at Colorado first. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, nothing against Jackson State, um, but mm-hmm. you know, this this is just a le- a different level. Of um, mm-hmm. The pack the Pac twelve is one of the worst conferences, one of the worst Power Five conferences. Um, them in the ACC, but you know it still a, a really high level of football that they're playing out there. So um, if he is able to 
success and success early on, you know, that that's going to be enticing to teams um, like Florida, like potentially Florida State if they start falling apart again, or Miami if if uh, it doesn't work out down there. So um, yeah. it's going to be fun to see. Uh, obviously, it's going to take some time to see, you know, how it plays out. But um, I believe in Dion. I believe, you know, he he's the guy to get stuff done. And, and uh, so far he has. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do this season. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, just to kind of hammer it a little bit more is, I mean, it's not Jaden Rashad's fault at all. And I feel like this the NIL game is going to get even more complex than this in the years to come unless the NCAA kind of, um, you know, has some sort of rules in place for the NIL or, or just something that um, universities – and recruits and current players can all kind of agree on somehow, which is going to be nearly impossible to do. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, there can't be a player's union at the college level because they're only staying in college for um, three years at the least, but um, four years or five years at the max. So it would be really hard to find new leadership, um, you know, constantly. Um, for them to kind of form a union, but I, it would be nice if, if the NCAA would actually do something um, with their power and well, they don't really have power actually. I, I <laughs> yeah. um, you know, with how much TV money that these universities and these conferences are getting the NCAA basically has no, no real power, but um, yeah, just finding a way to kind of streamline NIL deals um, or paying players, I should say, in general, um, would really help out. I feel like basically everybody um, and definitely the colleges. I'm trying to figure out what the heck to do or how not to poach players from other universities while they're still in, um, kind of like Jordan Addison with uh, Pittsburgh and USC last year. Um, you know, it's, it's just the wild, wild West right now. Um, and it would be nice to see some kind of, um, you know, uniform uniformity to this, I don't know, (laughs) era. Yeah. I I think what's going to end up happening is, you know, it's not going to be exactly like the NFL, but you know, all the deals are probably going to come out public. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and the thing about that is, that makes it even more dangerous because schools know, right. oh, he's only making this much. We can offer him a hundred thousand dollars more. Or, or right. um, so they're they're gonna have to regulate it where you know you sign for this much, you have to stay in school at this university for two years, for three years, for your entire um, mm-hmm. college life, and, and you know it's kind of gonna lock players down. So it is kind of a contract like the NFL, um, and I, I think going to where everything's public um it's more like contracts where you can't leave um if you do you forfeit so much money or or what whatever um but it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out like you said ncaa can't do anything about it um they they give their little sanctions and stuff but nobody really cares anymore uh because they can't really hand down big sanctions especially not to their money makers you you can't hand down sanctions to alabama and and georgia um because you're gonna lose a ton of money and and that's just the name of the game is money right now for the NCA for these schools for these players, um, but 
you know, I, I don't blame them <laughs> if they if they're going to use their name, image, likeness to make ten million dollars. Go ahead and do it. You know that that's up to you. Um, if I was in their shoes, I'd do the same exact thing because that's that can be a life changing amount of money. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, some of them who may not be able to go to the NFL, um, be talent wise or or injuries or, or whatever that may be. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But um, I, I think we'll have an answer or some type of regulation within the next five years or so. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome to see. And to your point, it's great. Um, The shelf life of an athlete making money is so, so short. Obviously we see the superstars who have Tom Brady, like careers, 20 plus (laughs) years and LeBron James, but there's so many other athletes that have such a short shelf life of, you know, getting to use their athletic talents to make money. It's great to see that these kids can start earlier um, and get a little bit of a head start, three-year head start, um, and start making millions of dollars while they're still teenagers, basically. Um, yeah. And just kind of, you know, build their value and their brand that way. So awesome to see, definitely, in the NIL era. It's just a little bit too crazy for me right now and i need there to be some <laughs> kind of regulations or um just straight up pay the player um have a contract and then have an opt-in for the university and the player so if the player doesn't opt in but the university does the player stuck there and vice versa um so you know just something like that where there's some sort of regulation where you can't just poach players because yeah um you know, but you know, I'm not smart enough to come up with that either. So, um, <laughs> so, but all right. Uh, do you have anything else nationally, Texas wise, or anything else at all before we get out of here? Uh, nothing I can think of. No, uh, just make sure you wear your Bengals jerseys on a uh, Sunday and, uh, absolutely <laughs> make sure you're in orange. That's all I could say. Yeah, absolutely. Go, Joe, Joey. Joey Burr, is that what they call him? Is that what they Joe Burr, Joe Shiesty. Yeah, Joe Burr. yeah, yeah. Way too cool for me to be saying out loud. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> that will do it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, learned something, or just want to support us at Texas Talk, please rate five stars wherever you're listening. But more importantly, tell your friends and family about us. Um, that will do it for this week's episode. We will be back next Wednesday to give you some more Texas news, um, recruiting news, uh, and the such. So thank you all for listening. As always, hook them. Hook them.